welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome back, and how's it going? How's your night treating you? Wonderful. Good, feeling alive. In bed, so I <laughs> have some, some freedom. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Are you feeling particularly alive tonight? A question that is pointed for a reason. <laughs> yes. And Excellent. To Everyone, I love you all. (laughs) (laughs) Triple love, quadruple love. How how much love would you like to radiate today? If you are wondering why we're talking about loving life, that is because you have found a book recommendation episode. This is an episode where we'll be trying to convince you or persuade you to read a book with us over the course of the next two weeks. If you don't know who we are, we are, again, the Lightly Literary Podcast. We are a book club and analysis and recommendation podcast, basically. We do a book uh, every two weeks that we discuss and analyze and also recommend recommend. Again, that's what you found today. We have social media accounts. We'd appreciate it if you followed. If you want to know what we're doing and keep up with our book selections, you can find us at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word, on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, whatever podcast platform this is on, wherever you discovered us on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, we always appreciate a rating and recommendation. So thanks very much. That goes a long way to helping us. As I mentioned, let's get back to the book. This is a book recommendation episode. Today we'll be talking about the novel They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. Is it Silvera we've been going with? Mm -hmm. Not Silvera. Okay. We'll look that up later, and I'll be ashamed of my mispronunciations. As always, it's always it's always in the rearview mirror for me, folks. It's always an embarrassment here for me with pronouncing names. So, but yes, by Adam Silvera. This is a book that I chose. Let's do a reading from the cover first. I always tend to forget this, but it's, I think, very helpful, especially for you, listener, who we assume has no knowledge of this book. I'll do a brief reading from the cover, give you a sense of what the book is about, and then we'll get into our full-blown recommendation. Again, we will try and persuade you to read this with us. This is from the cover. On September 5th, a little after midnight, Deathcast calls Mateo Torres and Rufus Emerito, or, ooh, I'd never thought about that name before, Emerito. Emeterio, Emeterio, Emeterio. It's Emeterio. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to keep all this in because I'm a joke. <laughs> Rufus Emeterio. It's the name thing is no joke for me, people. Sorry. Uh, to deliver some bad news, they're going to die in less than 24 hours. Mateo and Rufus are total strangers, but for different reasons, they're both looking to make a new friend on their end day. The good news is that there's an app for that. It's called Last Friend, and through it, Rufus and Mateo meet up for one final epic adventure to live a lifetime in a single day. So that's the premise of the story. This is a book that I chose. Amanda, you want to set up the prompt you gave me? Yeah. So the prompt that I gave you was to choose a young adult book that would also appeal to a more mature reader. Yeah, which young adult literature is so popular. It's it's maybe the yeah. most money-making of all the literary, if you even want to call it a genre. It does feel absurd to call it a genre because there's so many, like young adult fantasy and sci-fi is its own beast, right? Like that's its own world of book publishing. But it is really popular among adults too. There's plenty of adult readers who really enjoy the pacing, the kind of simplicity but intensity of young adult storytelling. So I feel like this question is both easy and hard. I will say for my own part, I did try and pick something that one, wasn't part of a series, and two, was not totally sci-fi or fantasy based. This is kind of a sci-fi-ish premise. It's very like um, Twilight Zone. Would you agree? Yeah, that's a good comparison. 
Yeah, so it's kind of light. It's more of a p- philosophical premise than it is a full-blown exploration of a <laughs> of a kind of concept or something. But anyway, this is what I went with because, yeah, got good reviews. I always check the reviews online. Don't read spoilers, but I'll, you know, get a sense of the critical consensus. And, yeah, see what was winning awards, see what was popular. This is what I found, and the title hooked me, to be honest. I, I did really like the boldness of it. It was a great <laughs> – it intrigued me quite a lot, so. yeah. Yeah, I still think a great title. Let's talk about it. Let's try and persuade you, dear listeners, to read it with us. Um, we'll be quick about it. Segment one, rapid-fire recommendations. This is when we will bounce quick descriptions of the book off of one another, just to give you a really brief overview of some of the ideas in the book, some of the things it's interested in, and, you know, just give you a little tease. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, you should read this book if you want something quick and easy to read. Yeah, I have tried on purpose to pick books under 400 pages. That's kind of my mental cutoff for the podcast, just because, you know, I respect people's time and I don't know. Everyone wants to invest in different types of books, right? This is 365-ish and it feels like 100. It's, it yeah, is very so fast, fast reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that does come down to some of the simpler style stuff. The Just yeah. reading YA can be brisk. So I think you yeah. should read this book if you don't mind thinking about death. Yeah. Yeah, if you do mind thinking about death, do not read this. this. Is not the book for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the title should turn you off completely. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I said you should read this book if you're feeling both macabre and hopeful. Yeah, it strikes it. It strikes quite a tone. There's a lot of hope in it. A lot of life. These are people who, when faced with the prospect of their death, decide to live instead of just give up. So that's there's that. <laughs> I'll leave the plot details, and we're never here to spoil, of course, in the recommendations, but that's definitely the tone. I think you should read this book if you're comfortable in what I will call the Young Adult Intellectual Register, or range. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, and I think that's actually pretty fitting. You get some... It's definitely geared towards young adults, but it's also got some interesting points that aren't fully explored but they touch on it's it's yeah i think that's pretty fitting um i said you should read this book if you like words like dope dude and yo <laughs> uh, read it if you don't i guess would be what i would say i i don't it's funny i i actually have stuck with dude kind of in a fun just friendly way throughout my life who knows if i'll give up dude it, the slang in this book is bad, but we get into that in the book clubs. <laughs> there is, there are teenagers who think and speak like a person thinks teenagers do. I, I'll leave it there for now. I, yeah, I don't want to say much more <laughs> if you like them. Um, I think you should read this book if you often think to yourself, there should be an app for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... Uh... The technological world in this is, is pretty... It's pretty obvious it's based on it's a little basic yeah yeah um i said you should read this book if you prefer having symbolism laid out for you yeah it's that's a young adult (laughs) thing i'd forgotten about and i don't think all of that um wide genre is guilty of it but there are some clear explanations of thematic components in this that that i did not love but that also it's definitely guiding you which some readers really like that and i think that's fine i think you should read this book if you have a high tolerance for teenage slang. So, yo, dude, there you go. I also had it. <laughs> yeah, teenage slang is dope, yo. Um, <laughs> it's mad dope. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the narrators does not <laughs> fall into that trope, so. It's true. There's it's it. true. 
<laughs> Mad. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, you should read this book if you enjoy a duel. Bill Dung's Roman. Yeah, I, the dual narrative thing is compelling. I, we've already joked a lot about one of the voices maybe not working so much, but the the way they foil with each other, the way the characters interplay, it does work, I think. So, yeah, yeah I would agree. Sure. My last one, I think you should read this book if you're a reluctant reader. That's a good point, yeah. It, because of how quickly it goes and how simple it is and, and how compelling the story is, I think, yeah, it if you don't normally read, this is definitely like an easy one to pick up. Yeah, it can, it really helps you along, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Let's jump to some reading similes. We're going to get into a bit more depth here and try and explore our thoughts on this book. Each of us is going to compare reading the book to something in a simile. I'll go first because mine is, uh, who knows what mine is? <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> I'm the, I'm notoriously bad at this exercise. Uh, maybe not bad. Maybe I'm an iconoclast. Maybe I'm a genius. <laughs> and it's everybody else who's wrong. No. Um, all right. Let's talk similes. I thought, or I wrote, I thought and wrote this. Reading this book is like finding somebody's late night brainstorming napkin on the ground, maybe at a diner when a person's on too much coffee, maybe a little bit of Coke. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not here to comment, but it's kind of like finding some kind of napkin like that. It's compelling and scattershot. It's also probably not the best insight into what a person was thinking. So it's like, here's the basic simile. It, interesting ideas, maybe even kind of enticing. Don't know if the follow through was fully there. Questionable yeah. in that regard. Also, because of the way some of it explains itself, can feel a little bullet pointy, like you would do a quick brainstorm, you know, of being like, "Gotta hit this name. Gotta make sure this is the this is the message. This is." The, it's just like, yeah, it's maybe a little checklisty too. Yeah, I like the uh, the checklist aspect of that. That's a that's a smart one. Yeah, um, but that the the trade off for that then is that it has clarity to it. I think in some key moments, and that's fine. Yeah, it's it's easy to follow for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I said reading this is like watching a movie trailer. You get the plot, which seems to move very quickly since it's a trailer, and you see some cool highlights, but there's not a whole lot of style that shines through, and there's also not a whole lot of like that you can understand about like the setting itself necessarily yeah. you might get glimpses of a setting but it's not really developed a whole lot it's got a plot trailer or a plot trailers a movie trailers worth of world building how about that yeah exactly yeah because it really uh, i don't want to spoil a discussion that we just ended we always record this episode very last <laughs> when our yeah. thoughts are at their peak you know we've engaged ourselves but yeah <laughs> we go in pretty deep on some of the world building or maybe lack thereof it's not even holes it's like is a hole there if it's a void? It's like it doesn't even... A hole has to have it, an edge. This is like a... This is like it doesn't even have it a boundary to it. I don't know what to call it, but... The abyss. Yeah, it's got a couple plot and setting abyss, abysses. Abyss, abysses. So, anyway. Uh, okay, those are reading similes. Uh, less coherent than usual, so I respect it. <laughs> no, those are good. Yours was especially good, so those work well. All right, let's move on to the scripted pitch, which I did not do because we recorded last minute, and I'm fine with that. I'll keep mine timed as usual. Um, this is the part where we're supposed to prepare something in advance. Amanda usually does. I usually don't. But either way, we'll keep a brief, <laughs> tightly constructed, coherent pitch together as to why you should read this book or you know, give you a summary of what's interesting. Amanda, you go first with yours, and I'll um, swiftly put one together in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
this is definitely a young adult novel. There's simple prose with interesting teenage protagonists. It's written for teens, but that doesn't mean adults can't find joy in this novel. Joy seems like the wrong word when faced with the grim title, but this book is a joy to read. The relationship specifically between the two protagonists is heartwarming and sincere, especially in contrast to the cynicism of the world they find themselves in, which is just our world with a slight twist, a company that can tell you that you're dying within 24 hours. These characters inspire each other to grow as individuals, which is sadly ironic since these personal awakenings are happening just prior to their deaths. This is an easy, exceptionally quick read that will keep you turning the pages as you keep guessing at what will kill them and when, while also rooting for these guys to somehow survive and continue building both themselves and their relationship. If you're looking for something fast, entertaining, and bittersweet, this is the book for you. Yeah, an excellent summary. I you do focus a lot on the pace, and it struck me. I it really did go by quickly. The we yeah. read a criticism in one of the episodes of a you know like a blogger or somebody reviewing it online. They said they read it in one sitting, which I totally believe. I think I read it in two or maybe three, but the third one was really scattered. Yeah, this is a three hundred and sixty page book that you know feels like much faster. Mm-hmm. So for right sure. to focus on that for sure. Yeah. Let me dig in then to my non-scripted scripted pitch, <laughs> a contradictory <laughs> existence that I love to inhabit. <laughs> I want to focus on the title because it drew me in and I think it has a ton to say about the book itself. It's weird because you see a title like that and you think, well, geez, you're just going to spoil it then. And so you think the title is already like maybe tricking you. No, the title is legit. It follows through. But it's like the title isn't even the biggest spoiler. The spoiler of the title is that it gives away the lens through which you should think about the book from the beginning of the book in a strange way. Like everything in the story is suffused with ideas of dying and why we should live and how and with whom. So it kind of gives you the spoiler of the title isn't the plot. I would actually say it's like, it invites you to read it a certain way and focus on certain themes and aspects before you even start, which is either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the kind of reader you are. I think for young adult books that are meant to be interesting conceptually, stylistically, a little t- toned down to, for accessibility and readability, I think this works pretty well because the interesting thing is the premise and not the style. Granted, we could nitpick this. It's it's a world with an extreme premise that I don't think is, it's frankly not even that interested in a premise. Let me veer off quick and say this is another just a little bullet point. I think this is a, a friendship slash, there's some romantic stuff in it too, and I won't say between which characters or when or anything, but it, it's more of a relationship romance story that just happens to be through the lens of this strange premise. You could strip that whole thing out, and I think you'd have a pretty interesting Obviously, the the pre, the you know you're both going to die today. Premise of the whole story does accelerate things and and changes the way the story is told. But I do think at at its core, this isn't some huge rumination on death. This isn't some deep philosophical treatise or even grapples with those ideas heavily. I think it does grapple, but really, it's more interested in a, a relationship between two new friends, the connections we have with people, and what makes them valuable. And so it is more of, to me, just a teenage friendship slash there's some romantic stuff between, again, various characters and some other things going on, Um, just not to spoil who ends up with whom or why or how or whatever. And so, yeah, to me, it actually read a little bit more straightforwardly than I thought. 
It would be my final word. I, I thought the whole thing would be weirder, stranger, maybe a bit more extreme. It has its moments. It, it's clearly like this influences the way the world works in the story, the the death cast. But yeah, it's a little more straight down the, the center, teens connecting with teens, like trying to figure out what life's about. Vibes. <laughs> I don't know if that's too broad. That'll be my final word. No, yeah, definitely the, the relationships in, in this novel um, are the the real thing that kind of like pulls you along it's it's a it's the central focus of this entire thing and it's and i think it's well done their relationship so yes the characters the two central characters who narrate most of it they are you know fittingly enough the best realized aspect of it some of the exchanges they have some of their um the way their friendship develops strong yeah it was enjoyable throughout i think at the end of one of the episodes i said to you this book is fine and I think I probably still, that'll be, my I guess, my final scripted word going on too long now. But yeah, I think this is a fine to good book that had interesting ideas and you can engage with it on its terms pretty fairly. And again, it's not really going to push you much. It'll push you emotionally, but not intellectually, which is fine. Um, I think not every book needs to be tangled with 100 ideas. So yeah, yeah, this is, I think, a solid read for sure. And yeah. again, couldn't be quicker reading. I'm glad you picked up on that thread when I did not. Because <laughs> it's true, though. It's just so true. Yeah. It's, it a, is a super fast read. Bit of a product recommendation view there. All right. <laughs> let's move to our final segment. Listeners, if we haven't persuaded you, we'll give it one last go here. We are going to read a quote from the story. We each pick a different quote that we think represents something crucial about the prose or the storytelling or the author's writing or the style or just about anything. Amanda, why don't you take us away? What's your quote for clarification? Sure. Um, mine comes from one of the narrators, who is Mateo. And um, I chose this one from page 35. And it says, I leave his room, his dad's room, pumped to go out and do this when I see the stack of dishes in the sink. I should clean those up so dad doesn't come home to dirty plates and mugs with impossible stains from all the hot chocolate I've been drinking. I swear this isn't an excuse to not go outside. Seriously. And that's the end of his narration there. Um, So I chose that one for a couple of reasons. Um, we see some, like, kind of teenage language with the, uh, I'm pumped! And then the, the, uh, I swear this isn't it. Seriously, no, it's not. So you get some of the teenage kind of language there. Um, the teenage language with this particular character mm-hmm. um, is quite different from the uh, other main uh, character Rufus, who is more of like he's the one that's like, dude, yo. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's also. It's also worth saying that he lives in foster care and has a bit yes. of a tougher life. He enters the story with violence. Like it's, it's some. There's some tropiness to it, but also not though. It doesn't. It doesn't play up all of those kind of hardened. I am from the streets, and my life has been only bad. Like, cause I think that's become so well, um, satirized like that, that has mm-hmm. become, um, do you remember all of the, this is a weird tangent I'm on now, but do you remember the, the, the novel push by Sapphire and then there was the book about it or the movie? Do you remember all that, that whole, that yeah. story that, well, it was just, it was a critical, critically acclaimed literary book, just about a very difficult life, uh, that a, a woman had. I only ever saw the movie, but then there was a movie about it, but it was the reaction to it was almost like, well, is this, are people just kind of like leering at poverty and like, it's almost like, 
you're doing a, a drive-by look at poverty when you don't actually want to engage. You know, it's like you don't actually want to think about these things. You just want to like remark upon it and be like, oh my gosh, how difficult life must be. Oh no. And then you don't actually like care anyway. But even that got satirized. And then that was anyway, it just feels like, I guess here's the point I'm on. Who knows what point I'm on? I'm just, you know, rambling. Um, <laughs> the point is, it's it's engaging with his life in a way it, just enough to let you know that he's it's been difficult but not in a way that really sinks into the desperation of poverty or the sorrow of disadvantaged life or the difficulty of economic disfortune like it doesn't it's not heavy-handed i guess is what i'm yeah. saying it's it's just the way he speaks and some of it is very stiff. Uh, I don't think either of us liked it much. It's, it just feels like it didn't commit or something odd. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Hijack that. Not a whole lot of swearing in here. Um, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, they teens swear a lot too much, (laughs) like, like uncomfortably a lot when they're alone, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. Um, I also chose this quote because you, you'll see that he's, kind of like directly addressing the reader in a way. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. actually both narrators do that. Um, so I picked up on that. And then they we do. also see some characterization of Mateo where we get the idea that he does not like to go outside um, and he's very fearful, but also that he's very caring too, because he's talking about like trying to clean up for his dad who isn't at home. Um, right. So, right. So we get some characterization in there. We, we see what kind of language is being used the, the dialogue there and, and, the idea that they're talking to someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a great quote. I chose one pretty around the same time. It's also Mateo's voice. Should I go to a Rufus one? I mean, I can also edit this, obviously. I probably should, right? So after a, what to you, the listener, must be a quick little pause. <laughs> We're back with a quote from Rufus's point of view. It just felt right since Amanda chose one of the narrators. I picked another one from another. And guess what? I'm just going to read the opening paragraph of his story, of his narrative, because I think it says enough about his journey, says enough about the language, and it will hopefully clarify my rambling <laughs> from earlier. Anyway, <laughs> this is Rufus's for starting at 1.05 a.m. Deathcast is hitting me up as I'm beating my ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend to death. I'm still on top of this dude, pinning his shoulders down with my knees, and the only reason I'm not clocking him in the eye again is because of the ringing coming from my pocket. That loud Deathcast ringtone everyone knows too damn well, either from personal experience, the news, or every shitty show using the alert for that dun-dun-dun effect. My boys, Tago and Malcolm, or Tago? Never settled on that. Anyway, Tago and Malcolm are no longer cheering on the beatdown. They're dead quiet, and I'm waiting for this punk Peck's phone to go off too, but nothing, just my phone. Maybe the call telling me I'm about to lose my life just saved his. Couple things. The slang, right? Let's pick out some things. <laughs> Beating this dude to death. Um, still on top of this dude. Um, what else is in there? Clocking There's, him in the clocking eye. Clocking him. This punk Peck's phone. It's, it's just, it's so, it's so infused that you can't ignore it but it doesn't feel like it commits enough to sell it. <laughs> it's like it yeah. want, he wants to remind you of his, his slightly different register, his, his slightly different manners of speech, but it just it feels like it took the foot off the gas or something, to use a sloppy metaphor there. And so, yeah, I think that's a great intro to his 
character, also his hesitation. He also has an odd that little quote at the end, um, that little verbal kind of rhetorical twist. Like he, I, you know, he, that me ending my life might have saved his. That little observational, yeah, twist. Um, he's insightful in that way, and is kind of light and breezy with his insights. And so I think that part of it reads pretty clearly too. Like throughout the story, as he's observing his own relationship develop and the people he knows and he, he just he's insightful about life in a very clippy easy kind of way and so yeah, yeah a little preview of the way he speaks of his dialogue and isn't that was all narration so of his narration and yeah i think a good preview of his character and the journey he has to go on it's you know opens with violence so and i, I said earlier that there's not a whole lot of swearing but there's two swear words in here which I guess he stopped swearing at the end of the book. I don't know. Or it just didn't. <laughs> I don't think they swore when they spoke to each other much, which is part of it. Mm. I think there are some, there is some narrated, narrated swearing. There's some intense moments. I mean, to be sure in the story. So, but yeah, it's not, I just think teenagers are a little more vulgar, crass and unsophisticated than on the whole, <laughs> again, when they're, especially when they're alone with each other, than perhaps we want to accept or believe and I'm someone who you know has worked with teenagers for a long time, as have you. And so I have very engaging, insightful, instructive conversations with teenagers almost every day. Interesting, intellectual, whatever, modestly interesting. But yeah, I just think there's a behind the closed doors thing that's a little bit less put together than some of this book is. But that's okay. Yeah. It's it's it attempts a voice we'll leave it up to you listeners if you read it you can decide if it's really successful or not i think we're just more neutral to negative on the on the whole on the voice stuff any other thoughts on that quote uh nope I'm good. all right we've dragged this on too long by we i mean me so respect to myself i suppose and apologies but yeah that's a little preview of the book any final thoughts on they both die at the end by adam silvera um it's it's a good book i i liked it and yeah. yeah, I can see why teenagers definitely like it. Great for a certain book club. Again, again, I think good for reluctant readers or people who just want to get hooked on something and perhaps don't need James Joyce to like rock their world and confuse that. You know, not everyone needs to read Virginia Woolf and be baffled for two hundred pages. So there's all kinds of books out there in the world. This is an engaging, pretty brisk, intriguing read. I think it's solid. So yeah. 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 All righty. We have other books coming up. So if this one episode, I mean, did not persuade you, we apologize as always. We'll try and do better next time. Um, The next two weeks, we'll have book clubs for this novel coming out. So keep an eye out for those. But again, if you don't want to listen or read with us, we got other stuff planned. Amanda, do you want to introduce the next three books we've got coming up in order? Sure. Uh, Next is the novel Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Then we've got a nonfiction work called Ghetto Side by Jill Lavoie. And then we have another young adult novel called We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. As the young adult author William Shakespeare once said, once more into the breach, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, young adult author. (laughs) As famed young adult author uh, Will, old Bill Shakespeare once wrote, folly, folly. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I can't quote Shakespeare off memory because that would be ludicrous. Out, out, damned spot. (laughs) Yeah, damned spot. I could probably do that Macbeth soliloquy about tomorrow and tomorrow and anyway, let's not end the episode that way this book was not nihilistic so (laughs) let's not not end with that (laughs) anyway um that's our little recommendation on this novel they both die at the end 
Let us know if you check it out. And as always, just follow along. We'll be posting the episodes. Um, check us out on our social media accounts. Again, we'll plug those. And uh, please rate us on any podcast platform that you're on. And as always, listeners, we'll see you between the pages. <laughs>